Praise God. Hallelujah. Can you guys give the Lord a hand praise? Glory to God. Before we thank God for giving us the opportunity to give, we're also going to pray to God will use your speaker for tonight. I believe that God has a word for us tonight. I believe that everyone that's here is here for a specific reason. Something you probably came wondering. Something you probably came meditating in your car wondering, man, I wonder what God is going to say. Well, he has a word for you tonight. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come before you. And we thank you, Lord God, for the good that you are, God. We thank you for everything that you do, for every way that you provide, not only financially, but in every way, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to be here today to just praise you, just worship you. And you handle the rest, Lord God, with your spirit, Lord God, upon this place. We thank you, Lord God, for this day. Also, Lord, we put in your hands, Lord Jesus, our speaker for tonight, that you use him, Lord God, and that we are able to be attentive, Lord God, and capture the word that you have in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can give the Lord a hand praise. And we're going to give a heart welcome to our very own L.A. District President, James Cornejo. Brother, where you at, bro? Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Oh, come on. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Amen. God is so good. Amen. It feels so good to be here tonight. I, um, I've had a long Sunday. I'm not gonna be. I'm gonna be completely transparent with you. Access services. Uh, the devil always almost wins in getting me to not come to access services. I love access service, but I'm just so tired every Sunday, and I know you're very tired too. And uh, I usually go home, and you know I sit on the couch, and you know I'm just kicking back and eating some Doritos or some Hot Cheetos, and then all of a sudden I just. Like, do I really have to go to Access Service today? <laughs> God's still going to move with or without me, you know? It's not about me. <laughs> and then, uh, but then I love it so much, so I just say, you know, it's worth going. So then I just put my suit back on, and I just come over here. And so I'm, I'm glad for your sakes that I ended up coming tonight. Amen. So or else Brother Chris Victoria would have to preach, and maybe that would have been a better option, but we'll see him next time. Amen. Um, it's so good. I do want to thank the board, the Access Board, for considering me. It's very nice. Um, I do want to thank also the board, the district board, the secretary and the treasurer, Natalie and Noemi, uh, just for being so supportive and being so helpful. I do also want to thank the sector leaders, um, each sector. They're just doing, a, honestly, a tremendous job. Can we give it up for the sector leaders one time? They don't get paid. They don't get much recognition. And uh, they're just doing such an amazing job just connecting with all the youth leaders and all the youth pastors, even the ones who don't text them back and leave them on red all the time, but it's okay because the love of God still pursues, amen. Um, like I said, it's been a long Sunday, so my voice is probably a, a little out, so I'm gonna do the best I can. I'm not gonna be long. I do wanna thank my pastor, honestly, just for supporting me and just allowing me to continue to grow in the ministry that God has called me to grow in. And, and I know that, I don't get, I don't necessarily get nervous or afraid that I'm in the wrong place. I know that I'm exactly where God wants me to be, and I'll be here as long as He wants me to be here. And then when He tells me I'm done, 
I'm done, and, and then I'm moving to Hawaii after that. Amen. And um, the valley's getting hot. I'm not. It's been a beautiful winter, and I almost forgot why I sometimes despise the valley. And today, I was reminded. Amen. And it was very hot today, but God is still on the throne. Amen. Uh, I do want to thank my lovely, beautiful fiance for being here. Can we, can we get a 20-minute praise break right now? I'm just kidding. Fuego. Amen. Um, Brother Aaron Barbosa asked me at camp last year. He said, how do you not favor her? You know, give her all the solos and, and uh, make her the head counselor for the women or make her the main camp speaker. And I said, you know, it's tough. I, I don't know. It's, he said, how do you not favor her when she's obviously your favorite? And um, I just, I just, I'm grateful because she makes it very easy. She's a very humble young lady and knows exactly where God has her. And so she doesn't ask me to make her the head camp speaker. And I'm so grateful for that because I just might. Amen if she did. Uh, I do want to thank everybody who came out yesterday for Gen 19 Outreach. Can we give it up for everyone that sacrificed a Saturday? Honestly, there was some tremendous results. Before we even started the outreach, I believe three people were filled with the Holy Ghost right there in the church. So honestly, it was amazing. Um, amen. One of, we split up into about 12 groups, and one of the groups purposely didn't pass out all the hot dogs and came back and said, what are we going to do? And so I guess we, we just all ate them. So it was great. We had a great time. Amen. We fed others and fed ourselves. Amen. So as we get ready to move on, um, let's open up our Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. I'd like to get into the Word. I'm not going to be very long. Amen. We had a beautiful service, a beautiful worship service tonight. Amen. How many enjoyed that? Honestly, the praise team, the choir, that was so powerful. Amen. It was amazing. I uh, While they were singing, I just had to remind myself uh, something that I usually have to remind myself that at some times I may be a failure, but I am absolutely not a fraud. I absolutely love God. I may not show it or make it seem that way, or the enemy may lie to me or even tell me you messed up a thousand times. How can you say you love God? And, and to that, I just say, I may be a failure, but I'm not a fraud. I love God with all my heart and I will die for this gospel with my last breath, with every breath up until it. Is anyone here grateful for that today? Can you say you're not a fraud right now? That you love Jesus? Can you just tell the enemy, I don't care what you tell me. God is my king. Bottom line. Amen. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4. If you can uh, follow me along up there. I didn't have time to write down the scriptures. And then after that, we're going to go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 29. But let's start Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed. Everybody say, Abram departed. As the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 
Let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 29. Philippians chapter 2, verse 29 in the New Testament, one of the epistles of Paul. He's writing to the church at Philippi, and he says, Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness. He's talking about one of his friends named Epaphroditus. We're just going to call him E for this, for this service tonight. Amen. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work of Christ he came close to death not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me everybody say not regarding his life everyone ready not regarding his life amen with that tonight I would like to speak on the topic not regarding life Why? right there where you are put your Bibles down or to one side and I want to ask you to just pray with me for the next 20 seconds, 10, 20 seconds, and let's ask that whatever thing is attempting to hinder you from receiving this word tonight will be rebuked in the name of Jesus and will absolutely leave this place of worship. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Can you pray with me, church? Lord, I know in the name of Jesus that I am here for a purpose that i am here for a reason that you have called me and anointed me to bring forth the word i am not questioning whether or not that this is a people of god we are not questioning whether or not we are sons and daughters of the living god but one thing we do know and are sure of is that you have given us the authority over every demonic spirit every demonic entity everything that would try and hinder the work of the kingdom of the almighty god we rebuke it now in the name of Jesus, I pray for a unity in this place. I pray for an activation of your anointing. I pray that somebody would wake up tonight and that your power would be here today, not in emotional hype, but absolute truth flooding our minds. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God a round of applause right now. That was pretty cute. Can we give God a round of applause right now? And just thank him for everything he's done. Hallelujah. Amen. We'll try that again later. Amen. You can go ahead and take your seats. Hallelujah. Amen. I was, uh, I'm going to be graduating at CSUN uh, May 19th. And uh, this year, amen, God is good. You're all invited. Amen. Bring a sandwich. And uh, if you can get a ticket somehow or another, do it. But you're all invited. Amen. CSUN, I'll be graduating May 19th. And, you know, this last semester... The term senioritis I've had since actually the ninth grade, but somehow I get through it. That was my senior quote, actually. Amen. And um, this year, I'm in this class, and they had us start reading these books. There's about five books that we have to read, and one of them is like a self-help book. And it talks about these seven habits of highly effective people. And so the author goes to great lengths to show how people's minds play a huge effect on where they're at in their life. And if they can alter their habits, then they can arrive at a whole new place that they never thought they could be at. It's a, it's a pretty good book. And in the beginning of the book, he begins talking about beginning with the end in mind. And the book goes on to say, I want you to imagine that you walk into a funeral. You're there. People are quiet. People are crying. Everyone's dressed the part. And as you begin to walk up to the casket and you look in, you see that you're there in the casket. And then you take a seat and people get up there. 
your family members, your friends, your loved ones, your brothers, your sisters, they get up there and they begin talking about what kind of a person you were. They begin saying whether or not you were a nice person, whether or not you were willing to give up your entire schedule if somebody got a flat tire and you were willing to call out of work and say, I got to go pick up somebody or I got to go help somebody out. Or if it was the other way, that this person don't care about nobody and just kind of does whatever they want. Or we began saying, what would people say about you if you were sitting at your own funeral? What would your family say about you? Would they say that you were smart and intelligent, that you cared about your future? Would they say that you were considering life and different alternatives? Would they say that you read the word? Would they say that you preached, that you taught, that you believed the word of God with passion? And I began thinking and starting to apply this to my life. And I began realizing that no matter where you are, no matter where you go, no matter what your name is, what your title is, how many years you've been the president of the LA district, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, every single one of us has a date with that casket. Every single one of us will have a tombstone with our name on it. Every single one of us will one day lay our heads to rest on a pillow and never get up from it again. And in that view, with that understanding, it does not matter how many followers anybody has. It does not matter how many friends you have. It doesn't matter what superlatives you won in high school. You know, whether it was, we were talking about this yesterday, whether it's best hair or best eyes or in my case... Best body? No, I'm just kidding. Just making sure you're paying attention. I'm just kidding. I want social butterfly. If you, <laughs> I like to think of myself as a social eagle, but they thought butterfly, whatever. It doesn't matter what superlatives you won. It does not matter how much money is in your bank account. It does not matter even if your children serve God. And it doesn't even matter how beautiful and how amazing your future relationship with your wife or your husband is going to be. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, all of it has to be left behind. All of it has to come to an end. I know that sounds very morbid. I know I, all of a sudden people are like, oh my goodness, but I see three sisters over here crying already. You know, I know people are, some people are, you know, are just upset about that. Like, man, why did we even come to Access? This is so sad, like somber. I'm telling you that for a different reason. Because to some people, that's very disheartening. To some people, that is a very sad thing to think about. To some people, when you think about that everything has to come to an end, it becomes very sorrowful. Why? Because you value this life. Because you like and love this life. Because you find satisfaction in the things that this world can offer you. And now I'm not saying this world does not bring people happiness because 100% I believe it does. 100% I believe this world can offer you things that will make you happy. I believe that you can go to Vegas and you can indulge in every kind of sin you want to indulge in and there will be a smile on your face. And so to say that this world cannot offer you something would be a misstatement because this world does have things to offer. And the truth of the matter is constantly in the media, 
in Hollywood, friends in high school, other people who are famous, celebrities, etc., people who we tend to listen to, will begin to paint this picture that the real opportunity or the actual goal that every person should have is to gain as much happiness in this life, as much happiness as you can. But the truth is, it all comes to an end. Turn to your neighbor and say, it all comes to an end. I'm going to need you all to preach with me every chance you get. Amen. I remember reading the book of Ecclesiastes. How many of you, by show of hands, have ever read the book of Ecclesiastes? Okay. Okay. We got about 20%. I'm just going to save you some time. I mean, you can go ahead and read it. But I'm just going to kind of summarize it for you real quick. Pretty much, the book of Ecclesiastes says, there's no point to anything because we're all going to die. I, I'm that, those are the cliff notes. That's the young James version right there. It's, we're all going to die. What's the point? I remember after I read the book of Ecclesiastes, it says things like, what's the point of building up a kingdom? This is Solomon. What's the point of building the greatest kingdom? If you don't know if your sons after you are going to mess it all up. What's the point of gaining all this? If you don't know who's going to come after you, they're just, they're, they're just going to mess it all up. I remember after I read that, my mom would tell me to clean up my room and take out the trash and do my, I'm like, mom, we're all going to die. <laughs> what's the point? The bed is going to mess up anyways. The room gets dusty again, mom. It's been two days. There's no point in dusting. Have we not seen that? <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's like, all of a sudden, it all comes to an end. And I went through this little phase, wearing all black, started wearing black gloves, painting my nails, but I'm just kidding. Uh, all of a sudden, it's, uh, everything just gets real dark, you know? I started telling my sister, and she starts wearing black veils, and I'm just kidding. But um, all of a sudden, it's like, it just became very somber. And I just realized, oh my goodness, it's all coming to an end. It's all over. What's the point of this life? And then on about three weeks, four weeks into my, how do you say, my season of sorrow, I began realizing something. I began realizing that in the story of Abraham, as we read in the beginning, God called Abraham. He called Abraham out of a place where he was. He actually told Abraham to give up everything that you have. You, I want you to understand what it's saying. See, Abraham was a wealthy individual. According to history, the place where he lived in the Ur of Chaldeas, the place where he lived, the average home size was about 128 rooms. Abraham lived in a hotel. He lived in the Ritz-Carlton. Abraham was very well off. He had everything he needed. He had servants. He had maidservants, manservants. He had goats, sheep. He had everything he needed. He was comfortable. He was established. And we begin to see that God tells him to give up everything. God tells him, the life that you're living now, I want you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your bank account, everything you have. I want you to write it out on a check. I want you to write my name on that check. I want you to sign it and give it to me and let me cash it. I want you to give me everything that you have. And second, after you do that, I want you to go to a place where I'm going to tell you. And you have no idea where it is. And you're not going to own it. And you're going to be a stranger there. And you're not even going to have your own tomb to bury your family in. And you're just going to be walking around, going in these places, and you're not even going to know what to do. But I just want you to go. 
And God tells Abraham something. And then I began to realize a man by the name of Elisha who was a prophet. And Elisha, the Bible says, he would plow with 12 yoke of oxen. He was a hard worker, and that's a lot of oxen to be working with. In other words, as a farmer, they were quite well off in that day. And one day a prophet by the name of Elijah goes and walks by him. He takes off his coat, he sees him, and he just throws his coat on him and just keeps walking. Now to Elisha, he understood that Elijah was calling him into a ministry. And so then he says, hold on, let me tell my family goodbye. And Elijah's like, what does that mean to me? Like either you're going to come or you're not. And what does the Bible say? That Elisha takes the oxen, he kills them, He then takes the yokes, which are wooden boards that would be around the necks of the oxen to keep them in line with one another as they plowed the field. He took these woods, he broke them up, he lit a fire, he cooked the oxen, he fed his family, and then he followed after the prophet. In other words, it became this point in his life where it didn't matter the family business that he was going to have to take over. That was well established, that was comfortable, that was successful. What he was going to have to do was not just to give it up, but to take the pieces of wood and to take the oxen and to burn his bridges. And then I understood about this prophet named Jeremiah. I'm not sure if many of you know about him, but Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. He was one of the last prophets before Israel went into exile. He was one of the last prophets, and God told him that Israel would be taken over by another king, while the king of Israel at that time said, there's no way that's going to happen. And the rulers of Israel said, no way that's not going to happen. But Jeremiah spoke with God, and God told Jeremiah, I don't care if they threaten you, I don't care if they threaten to take your life. I don't care if they threaten to remove everything from your house. You are to say, thus saith the Lord. And one day Jeremiah goes into the king's palace and he says, king, if you go to war, we are going to lose the kingdom. And the king treats that like treason. And he puts Jeremiah in a jail cell. And he says, I will release him after I return from meeting with these kings, with the enemy kings. And the story goes on to say that the king eventually went out and met with the other kings. And when he goes out there, he never comes back. Why? Because he's killed. So we are led to believe that Jeremiah died in a jail cell. For what? For preaching the gospel. For preaching what God told him to preach. For preaching the news that God gave him. And lastly, we have Paul. And I remember thinking about Paul and how Paul says, everything I've ever gained, all the degrees, all the money, everything I have, everything people know me for, everything I've learned, it's all for nothing. I count it all lost. I count it all dung that I may win Christ. And we see, and what happens? I began to realize, I began to realize a recurring theme that you see people in the word of God, they learned something. They had this one thing right there in the back of their mind or whether it was right there in the middle of their heart or wherever it was, but it was right there and it was always whispering to them and it was saying, it doesn't matter what this world offers me. I know what God offers me is worth dying for. It doesn't matter what the world may try and give me. It doesn't matter what 
what I have. I know what God has for me is greater. Is there a witness in this place who can say, Jesus, you can ask me to give up anything, I'll give it. Jesus, you can ask me to surrender anything, I'll surrender it. Jesus, you can ask me to give up just about anything, Lord. And there's this recurring theme that I began to see that it doesn't matter what you have, but when God calls you, he doesn't call a little bit of you. You see, when the Bible talks about surrendering your life, when Jesus talks about he who, who uh, uh, is reserved in his life or he who, who uplifts his life or he who loses, who doesn't lose his life or who gains his, excuse me, gains his life in this world, will lose it. What he's talking about is your fleshly lusts. He's talking about your fleshly desires. He's talking about this life that you're living right now, the pleasures of it. And we can go down the list. Things like perversion. Things like relationships that you should not be in. Things like, like jobs that we might have that are pulling us away from God and we know it and God is convicting you and you're like, yeah, but maybe just a few more months because God doesn't understand my struggle. He doesn't understand that I got to pay the rent. God's just not, he's not there with me right now. And so I need to go work this extra job and miss prayer and miss waking up early in the morning and seeking after God the way I used to. Or some of us, we, we skip fasting because it's just too hot outside or the day it's just too hard or because your first period or your first class in the day, offer, your teacher offers you donuts and you're like, this must be of the Lord because it's Krispy Kreme. God, you understand? And there's these things in our lives that we, that we admire, that we like, that we give value to. These things that we're like, yeah, God, I give you everything, and we're right here. I give you all of me. Every altar call, I give you all of me. Great song, yes. And then as soon as we walk out, and then the Lord's like, okay, you give me all of you. I want you to wake up at 4 a.m. tomorrow morning. I want you to seek my face. I give you all of me, except sleep, God. I need that. I need sleep, Lord. Then you go off key right there. That's why you guys are staying off key. Amen. You need to step on it. I'm just kidding. And it's like all of a sudden there's these things that we're holding on to. These things that honestly that God is just, hey, I want you to get rid of this. I want you to surrender it to me. Because if you continue to hold on to it, you're going to kill yourself. You're going you're gonna to kill yourself. And things that are good now may be great. Things that are, excuse me, are not good now may be great later. T.D. Jakes gives a wonderful example of a razor blade. He talks about his son. He says, when my son was around nine years old, eight years old, if I was shaving and he asked me, Dad, can I see it? And I said, no, don't touch this. And then I walk in the restroom and I see him playing with it. I ran over there and I grabbed it right out of his hand. I said, what are you doing? I told you not to touch this. And what happens? He says, what? might cut his face now will help him later when he becomes a man. But I need him to give it up first. And the issue is that many of us are too busy playing God. We're not listening to God. 
We're too busy acting and being God in our own life. You talk to whoever you want to talk to. You wake up whenever you want to wake up. You think and listen to whatever you want to think and listen to. But the moment God says, I dare you to give it up, you're like, I'm sorry, God, but this, the voice is just too enticing. It's just too persuading. Is there anybody in this place who is here to say, the enemy cannot have authority over my heart any longer? Jesus, if you want all of me, I give you all of me. If you want everything, I give you everything. Hallelujah. Can somebody say amen with me? Can somebody say amen with me? And, and the problem is as many of us are our own pastor. You're a casual, submitted individual. You, you submit when it's easy. You submit to things when it's, you submit to the voice of God when you agree with it. But when you disagree and God tells a prophet like Samuel, I want you to go anoint a different king. And he turns and he says, but Lord, if Saul hears about this, he'll kill me. He says, did you hear what I said or not? Are you my prophet or are you Saul's prophet? Are you my son or are you Saul's son? Go and anoint the king. And the problem is there's another David out there who's ready for God to anoint them king. But us, the Samuels, are too busy listening to comfortability. We're too busy listening to things that are easy, things that agree with our flesh, things that agree with this society, things that agree with this culture that goes contrary to the things of God. I'm sorry if I'm yelling and if I seem angry, but I just get a little bit passionate because I'm not just preaching to you, but I'm preaching to myself. There's some things in my life, there's some things in your life that we need to look in the mirror and say no longer, no more. God, if you want me, you can have me. God, if you call my name, you get my name. Jesus, if you want me to outreach, I will outreach. If you want me to pray, I will pray, I will fast, I will will preach. Hallelujah. You see, there are people in the word of God, there are examples as we move on that did regard their life, that did care and value for their lives. We have a story of a man, we call him the young rich ruler, and he comes to Jesus. Hear this story, it's so interesting. The disciples were blown away when they saw what happened here. This young man, rich ruler, comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus sees, and the Bible says that he loved the man. And the man says, and Jesus says, keep the commandments. He says, Lord, I kept every commandment since I was a little boy. He said, everything the word of God ever asked me to do, everything your commandments in the Torah ever asked me to do, I did them. And then Jesus says, fine, sell everything that you have. Give the money to the poor and come follow me. And we see the man, the Bible says that he walked away sorrowfully. Why? Because he had many riches. Now it's interesting how you define riches. And that's the powerful thing about the story. Is the young rich ruler defined riches as wealth, as money, as fame, as status. 
As recognition, Jesus, I want you to tell, I want everybody to know that I've done everything that I need to do. I've sang all the songs in key. I take the best photos. The LA district calls me up. They need me to be the photographer, the videographer. They ask me to play the piano and the drums. I don't even have to wear a tie. I'm so good of a musician. Nah, I'm just kidding. Anyways, just want to see if you're still there. Amen. I, I can do what, I've done everything that I need. I preach, right? I give the best examples. Examples when I'm preaching, everybody listens, they run up to the altar. People, I've done everything I'm supposed to. The problem with that man was he and Jesus defined riches differently. You see, the man's riches were the things he could put in his pocket. But riches, true riches, are things that cannot fit in one's wallet, are things that cannot fit in one's bank account. They're things that cannot fit in your mind. They cannot fit in your heart. They're things that are not defined by the endorphins that are released in your mind when you hold the hand of the one you love. They're not defined by that. They're defined by things that are laid up in heaven that neither dust, dust nor moth can corrupt. See, those are true riches. What Jesus calls riches are riches. And if you suffer for them in this life, there is a greater glory beyond. And those are true riches. The issue that we are having today is society is gradually infiltrating the church and teaching us a different definition of riches. Is teaching us how to define what it means to be wealthy. Teaching us how to define what it means to live a full life. Can you imagine what it would be like if somebody's getting, has anyone ever been to a, a, a wedding ceremony and all of a sudden the couple is saying their vows and then all of a sudden the, the man just says, I promise to give you every part of me except the parts that you disagree with. Those parts, I'm going to hold on to those ones. I feel like everyone would be like, what, what's going on? What? Or when they say in sickness and in health, Unless the sickness is too difficult, then, then we might get a divorce. Like, what? Or I promise to live for you the way the Bible says so. Unless I have to work hard to provide for you and wake up early in the morning, then unless I got to take you on dates and maintain a relationship when it's not as fun. What, what kind of a marriage would that be? What kind of a, that's off to a bad start. I would say, hey, I think we're going to stop this ceremony real quick. We, we need to rethink some things. I don't think you guys went through marriage counseling the right way. What kind of a friendship, a relationship, a, a love life would that be to say, I give you almost all of me. You're so amazing. I, I, I will give you everything. Footnote, not everything. You know, it's like, what, what kind of, what? read between the lines, maybe. Some things, except Saturdays. Those are my day. <laughs> it's like, uh, what kind of a relationship would that be? Nobody starts off a marriage saying, I can't wait to give you half of me. Oh, man, it's going to be great. Then I got to keep the other half. Oh, man, it's awesome. I got to walk out whenever I want and come back whenever I want. Oh, it's going to be great. Nobody jumps into a relationship like that because that's not a true relationship. That's not real love. That's infatuation, that's lust. That's what this world teaches you that you can have whenever you want it. You just gotta dial the right number. You just gotta find the right person and say the right words and all of a sudden you get whatever you want. 
But that's not the way this works. I'm sorry, Christian, if this is your first time here, I want to let you know that the Christian life is the greatest life anybody could ever live, but it's not the easiest life. The Christian life is the best life that anybody could live. And it's very clear. Everybody knows that it's a very good idea to go to the gym, to eat at least two salads a week, and to eat some fruits and veggies. Everybody knows it's a good thing to do that. But it's not the easiest thing to do when you got a pizza place like Vincenzo's or a taco place like Alfaro's or Tacos de Gavilan, which we were there yesterday, and I had the super quesadilla. And it was super. It was really good. They lived up to the word. And then I said, Abigail, I'll start tomorrow. I'm going to start on the diet tomorrow. Let me just get one more quesadilla. I know I got to fit into the tux, but the quesadilla. And it's hard. It's, it's the best life. It's, a, it's the right life, but it's not the easiest life. It's the best thing to do to come to an altar, to lay yourself on there and say, God, take anything you want. Take anything you want. Go into the corridors. Go into the dark alleys of my heart that nobody knows about. Go to the place when I was five or six years old and nobody knows what happened. I want you to go there. I want to give that one to you. God, go to the time when I was 11 and 12. Go to the time when I was 16 and I was living a riot and I was doing whatever I wanted and nobody knows. Go to that place as well. I don't just want you to go to the places when I'm smiling, but I need you to go to the places that are dark. It's a hard thing to give it away, but it's the best thing you can ever do. Has anybody ever done that here? Has anybody ever done that here and said, Jesus, I've made some mistakes. I've come a long way, but I know this is the best thing I've ever done. Amen. I'm so glad I got a few witnesses. That means the rest of you are going to be up here at the altar and it's going to be your first night. And I'm glad for you because you're going to see what it's like to surrender your life. My brother and, and my, this isn't, I, I didn't, I wasn't planning on saying this. My brother and, and, and my sister-in-law, they're a beautiful couple. I love them. My brother's my best friend. He's an amazing man of God. He has done so many amazing things. And for those of you who, if you heard him at camp, I mean, my goodness, people were healed, miracles, signs, and wonders. He is like that there. He preaches behind a pulpit. And he also preaches at Thanksgiving, during Christmas, I'm sitting down talking to him, and he's like, hey, um, hey, I'm not sure if I told you this. Open up your Bible to Numbers chapter 7. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey, James, how's it going? Open up to Genesis chapter 7. And I'm just like, whoa, slow down, man. We'll get you for camp. No. I'm just like, hey, we love you. No, he, he is a, a man of God in and out. He's legit. He's transparent with me. He, we, we tell each other things, and and. I remember when I was, I was still praying and just seeking God and telling him to guide me. And I was trying to better myself as a man before I got into any relationship, before I was ready to get married. And I remember I was praying, Lord, help me. Uh, give me strength. Help me to be the type of man that you want me to be. I'm going to be like you. And then one day my brother starts talking to me. He's like, James, you know, I feel like telling you some stuff. I'm like, yeah, what's up? So we sit down. He, tell, he, he went to CLC Bible College and he was there and he said, you know, I would go when I, in my senior year. It's like I was getting ready to, to propose to Alexis and he said, I would go and I'd pray and I didn't have to work my senior year. 
It was paid for, glory to God. And he said, I'd go into the prayer room. And when I got there, I'd begin praying. And around three hours, I'd be there pouring myself out before God. And around three or four hours, all of a sudden, God would tell me, I need you to get up and go break up with Alexis. Now, mind you, they've been dating for at least two years. And everything was going wonderful. He was getting ready to propose. And he's like, what? And tears in his eyes and he'd just say okay and he'd begin to walk out and he'd walk out and he'd go find her and as he's walking up to her to break up with her with tears already filling his eyes the same voice that told him to break up with her would tell him stop don't and then he just thank you jesus <laughs> do you know los muros caerán will come on bendiceme will come on and all of a sudden, his life would change, amen. And then, and then he told me, and then about a week later, I'd be praying. And the same voice that told me to break up with her before and then to not would tell me, put her on the altar. And this time, I need you to go break up with her. Go cut it off. And he'd be weeping, and he knew it was God because it's the same voice that would tell him to go pray for that person who was sick and they'd be healed. And would tell them the issue that was in their body before they even said anything. And so as he's walking up to her, he said, okay, it's, okay, I got to do it. And tears would start filling his eyes and he'd get right up to her. And the same voice would tell him to stop. This happened about three or four times. It wasn't until after they got married, around when my nephew was about a month, a month old, that my sister-in-law, we began talking and we were just talking, and I have a great relationship with her. And she then said, you know, James, it's pretty crazy. Because when I was in Bible college, when God would ask me to sacrifice everything, I'd be in prayer. And he'd tell me to get up and to go break up with your brother. And right before I got up to him, the same voice would tell me to stop. And I was blown away. I was blown away. Because it takes people who are willing to give everything to change the world. It takes people who are willing to give up the thing they love the most. The thing that brings them joy. The thing that makes you smile. The thing that comforts you when you're in your room alone and you got nothing else and you run to this one thing. And it's always there and it answers. It takes people that are willing to give that up. And as a matter of fact... It takes people to give up everything to live in a relationship that's actually worth living for. How do I know this? Because in any marriage, anytime somebody says, I do to one, they're immediately saying, I don't to every other one. And the issue that we are having here in our district, in your youth group, in my youth group, in my life, in your life, the issue that many of us are having is that we fail to say I don't to ever. We say, yes, Lord, I do at camp. Yes, Lord, I do at access service. Yes, Lord, I do when it's easy. Yes, Lord, I do when I'm listening to this nice preaching. Yes, Lord, I do when the music is so powerful. But then we say, but I don't to this and I don't to that. And the problem is, is that we are trying to balance. We're regarding this life. I got to move forward. The last, and then when we find a, a, a topic, a, a parable in the Bible that talks about the, the different ground that, that the farmer plants on. There's four different types of ground that Jesus says there is. 
There's the good ground, there's the stony ground, there's the ground that the birds come up and take, and then there's the ground that has thorns growing up with it. And so what happens is, is in the thorn one, that's the one I just want to focus on for the next minute, is that the Bible says that the plants grow, which is the word of God, but then the thorn grows up right next to it. And eventually when it gets big enough, it surrounds that plant, the word of God, and it chokes it. In other words, this is what happens, that you receive the word of God and you go home and you're, you're excited about it and it begins moving and your youth groups begin moving and you'll see miracles, you'll see signs and wonders, people will be filled with the Holy Ghost, you'll be asked to preach or you'll go and preach in your, in your campus and you'll preach to your brother and your sister and you'll do what God is asking you to do in any way, shape or form. But then what you don't realize is there's a thorn that's growing up right next to it. And the Bible says that the thorn is the cares of this life. Going up right next to it. There's a man in the word of God by the name of Demas. He's mentioned three times in the Bible. And I've said this before. Some of you might remember. And Demas the Bible, is mentioned in Colossians, in Philemon, and Timothy. And the Bible talks about Demas, that he was a fellow laborer with Paul. Now, can you imagine that just for a moment? I don't know if you know who Lee Stone King is or if you know who Bishop Frank Romo is or if you know who, who these Mark Morgan or Jack Cunningham or, or even Ravi Zacharias. Like these guys are just, these guys are in it. They, they're sold out. They've given up everything. And can you imagine if I came up here and said, yeah, so I was, you know, drinking tea the other day with Lee Stone King and, you know, he's my fellow laborer. And, uh, yeah. Or can you imagine if I said, yeah, Mark Morgan, he's funny. He, he called me up, told me a joke the other day. It's great, man. Or Ravi Zacharias, oh, man, that guy kills me. He came to my birthday party last year. It was great. Great time. We went swimming. You know, it was great. You know, it's like, can you imagine that? Can you imagine being called a friend of these grand individuals who have given up everything? Well, Demas was called a fellow laborer with Paul. He says, pray for Demas. He's one of us. He's seen miracles, he's seen signs, he's seen wonders. He's out there on the front lines. He's being persecuted with us. He's being beat with us. He's right there just giving everything. And then what happens in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10? It's the last book that Paul writes. And he's writing to Timothy from a jail cell. And he says, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Having loved this present world. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to wait 20, 25 years, 30 years to find out that I've loved the world more than I've loved Jesus. I don't want to wait 40 years down the road when I'm on my deathbed or 50, 60, 100 years, however long it takes for me to die. And then I'm just there and I'm just questioning whether or not I really did give God everything. I don't want to be that man. And I know you don't want to be that man. I know you don't want to be that woman. And some of you are here on the fence tonight. And I hope in Jesus' name that I'm able to somewhat convince you. That I'm able to somewhat just grab your attention just for a few moments. That if I can just take this 40 minutes, 45 minutes. I'm coming to a close in about five minutes. That if I could just take this time. And if your life could change forever. If this is your first time hearing a gospel message. Or this is your second or your third. And you're new to this. I, I'm praying. And I'm telling you. And I'm 
I'm trying to convince you today and show you that even billionaires still commit suicide, that even celebrities, their marriages are still falling apart. It's all a sham. And they're some of the best looking people in this world. Except besides Sister Abigail, she's the number one, but everybody else comes second and their marriages are falling apart. They have everything at their fingertips. And yet everything is falling apart for them. They've come to the end of happiness. They've come to everything happiness can offer them. And they're still saying it's not enough. People like Robin Williams, one of the funniest individuals, and still just has no hope after being diagnosed with the disease, has no hope, has nowhere to go, and he has everything somebody can ask for. And I'm trying to convince you today that this world, whatever it offers you, is not what true riches are. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Can we open up to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24? Matthew 16, 24. Matthew 16, 24. And Jesus is talking to his disciples here. And he says this, he says, listen, if anybody wants, if anybody desires, if you have a passion to come after me, you first have to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross and you have to follow me. He says, for whoever saves his life will lose it and whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. The word deny in Greek means to disown. It means you are not the owner of it anymore. If you desire to follow Jesus, then the first thing you need to do is write a blank check to him and say, cash whatever you want from me. Take whatever you go into my closet. Take whatever you want out of there. Go into my drawers, go into my bank account, go into my relationships. If you want to remove something, I'm begging you to move it. I'm not asking you to move it. I'm not questioning whether or not you want to move it. I'm saying, Lord, if you find one thing, if you find just one thing, I want you to take it out of there. I need you to take it out of there because I know that this life can give me nothing. This life cannot compare to the glory that is to be revealed. This life cannot compare to what you gave Abraham and Elisha, to what you gave these men of God. I disown myself. There's a man by the name of Polycarp. I believe he lived around the 180 AD, if not a little bit later, but he was one of the first Christians. He was one of the early fathers. And when he was around 86 years old, they arrested him and they began to to threaten him with death if he did not renounce Jesus. And this old man who has seen miracles, who has written letters, seen wonders and seen God move and had a relationship, he said this when they told him to renounce God. They asked him to burn incense to the emperor. They told him to renounce God and he said, 80 and six years have I served him. And he has done me no wrong. Can you say that about the things that you've given your attention to? Can you say that about the shows that you watch and about the people that you talk with, 
the relationships you have, can you say that they've ever done you no wrong? Can you say that giving into your flesh has ever done you no wrong? Because Polycarp says he knows somebody that he can say, this thing have I never seen. I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I have never seen God turn his eye away from a, a crying child. I've never seen God turn his face away from somebody who is broken and who needs him. I can never say that I've seen that. Eighty and six years have I served him and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and savior? Can we all stand right now? I know I said I wasn't going to be long. I forgot what time I started. And so I see people starting to fall asleep. So I'm just kidding. I see people getting ready to move. I see people getting ready to change. I see things moving in the spirit. I see people's hearts being opened up right now. I know this is, and we say this a lot, but I mean it. I pray that this last 45 minutes, this last hour, two hours that you've been here is not just a regular service. We're going to open up the altar in a few moments, but I want to say something before we do. Man, I know people are moving around. I know people are walking. I just want to ask you to focus just for the next few moments. I like to do a lot of study on, on the early church fathers, on the early Christians. There's, there's a lot of beauty there. There's a lot of crazy things. They were persecuted uh, for just believing in Jesus, for praying for the sick, for declaring that Jesus is Lord. And I forget about what year it was, but there was a time when this emperor came around, this Roman emperor came around and he said, he said, I need you Christians. You can serve your God. You can serve Jesus. You can be Christians. You could do that. That's fine. You could sing your songs. You can read your word. That's fine. But I just need you to do one thing and we won't kill you. We have this incense, this powder, we put it on some fire. And this scent goes up. And it's burning a scent to a false god. It's called burning incense. So listen, if you just take a pinch, or if you just take some, some incense, and you just burn it, you can be a Christian. We're not going to kill you. We're not going to take your kids in front of you. We're not going to kill them in front of you. We're not going to take you thrown in a boiling oil pot. We're not going to tag you to the back of a horse and drag you throughout the city. We're not going to do that. If you just burn some incense, you can still be a Christian. And the Christians came together and prayed and they sought after God and they answered collectively with this one phrase. They said, not even for a pinch. Not even for a pinch. Is there anybody here today who can say, Lord, not even for a pinch, I'm all yours. Not even for a little bit of me, I'm all yours. Amen. If you're new, I want you to know that this is truth here. This is truth. And the beautiful thing about this is we can feel it. We can experience it. 
God fills us with his spirit. We begin to speak in a language we've never even known before. We've never even heard it before. And God will wipe away everything that is trying to destroy you in a moment. It just takes some repentance. And God has a life set out for you like never before. For those of you who are new in this, who have just been recently converted, maybe been here for a year or a few months, or been here for two years, I want to encourage you today that you may be just coming out of your honeymoon stage with God right now and it's starting to get a little bit hard and you're starting to realize that your family is actually not in favor of you being a Christian because it kind of pulls you away from them sometimes or your friends are actually really against you living up for the things because you don't laugh at the same jokes that you used to laugh at before. And you don't go to the same parties and you don't stay up in the same way you used to stay up before and they're starting to see that you're a different person and it's starting to get a little bit harder. I want to encourage you today and to let you know that if they were willing to die for it, then it must be worth living for. If they were willing to give up their lives, then it must be worth living for. And for those of you who have been here for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, you grew up in church and you know the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs. I want to ask you today, because you are probably the most easily deceived, just as I am. Because you think that it's about the ministry and it's about how well, how many people come into the church and that means we have success. It's how, how long or how, however great you sang or how well we harmonize together or how much of an offering we picked up. I'm sorry, but we can pick up $30,000 tonight. We can have people looking in. We can cut open the roof if we want to. We can have amazing things and miracles and signs and wonders. But if you have not given your all to God, then we have failed, then we have failed then we have failed if you have not surrendered every inch of your life. Then we have failed, my friend. And some of you are in a place right now where God is calling you to give it up. Without, We're, we're going to open up the altar. Anybody who that has spoken to you in any way, I want you to come up right now. You can close your eyes and walk up if you're afraid about what people think, but I guarantee you this altar is going to be filled. Just come up right now. Just come up right now. You're not the only one. Just come up right now. Come, scoot up all the way, please, as close as you can, as close as you can. we got a lot of people here. we got a packed house tonight. We want to come up as close as we can right now. Amen. Just get, get your eyes, get your heart in the right place right now. Go ahead. Just prepare. We're going to pray through. I know it's been a long day. I know it was a long service. We've been here for about two hours already, but I know that God is doing something. Right now, come up. Come up, everybody. We're going to give you the next few minutes. Come on, come up. I'm sorry, the next 30 seconds. Come up, come up, come up. There it is. There it is. God is already revealing to you what you need to take out. God is already revealing to you what you need to put on the altar. I can feel it. Everyone come up. We got room up here, please. Justin, come up closer. Come up closer. We got a, we got a packed house tonight. Up here, there's room up here if you want to come up. Come on up closer. You can push your way through the crowd. The woman with the issue of blood did it. Go ahead. Come on up. We're going to pray right now. We are going to surrender absolutely everything we have to God. This is a room full of people who are ready to surrender, who are going to say or who are saying, I've tried the world. It's done me no good. I've tasted and seen and the world has nothing for me.
Everybody in this room right now, let's pray. I want that thing right there. You're going to have to call it out. You're going to have to speak it out right now. Whatever it is, you can speak. You can whisper it. You don't have to yell it out. But God is pointing out something that you need to give up. I need you to say it right now. Whatever it is, I need you to say it. Some young men, the demonic spirit of pornography is trying to overtake your life right now. You need to declare it that it has no power over you. You need to give it up. I know the enemy lied to you and tried to tell you that it's normal, that it's, I'm sorry. There is one thing that is pure. It's normal to fail, but it's not normal to surrender to a pagan God. Some of you sisters right now, you have let insecurity become your God. You have let fear become your God. You have let perversion become your God. And you need to surrender it right now. You need to call it out by its name. You need to call it out by its name. There it is. There it is. God's moving. God's moving. God's moving. God's moving. There it is. It'll have no power over you anymore. It, ha it has no power over you anymore. 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 I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. I rebuke perversion in the name of Jesus. These are prophets of God. These are prophetesses of God. I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. I rebuke insecurity in the name of Jesus. I command you to leave right now. We are not fraudulent. We are not liars. We are not here saying one thing and doing another. We are 100% sincere. We may have blood on our hands at times. Our knees may get dirty. Our elbows may get bloody because of how much we fall. But we are not lying. Jesus, we really want you. Jesus, we really need you. Jesus, there is nothing more that we want more than you. Jesus, there is nothing that we want more than you. Jesus, there is nothing that we want more than you. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, let's reach out. Let's reach out, go ahead. Let's pour it out right now. The Bible says that Hannah poured out her spirit before the Lord. Pour it out right now. Pour it out. Everything that's in there, let it flow out like liquid and let God examine it. Let God examine it. Let God examine it. Let God examine it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Everything. 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 Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't want you to sing the song with them. They're continually ushering in the presence of God. I want you to sing your own song right now. I want you to sing your own song right now. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Pour it out, pour it out, pour it out. There it is, not even for a pinch. Not even for a pinch. Not even for a pinch. Not even for an inch. Not even for an inch. Nothing, 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 nothing. There it is, there it is. Satan, your hands do not hold us today. Your hands do not hold us today.
to drop to your knees right now. Some of you need to drop to your knees right now as a sign of submission and surrender to God. If you need to find a place in the back and lay down on the floor with your face there on the floor, you can soak the carpet here tonight. Go ahead. God is going to pour out his spirit right now. He's going to give you the strength to give up everything. He's going to give you the strength to give up everything. He says that we are not there right now, but he is continually, continually, continually doing a work in the air.
up our hands in this place where you're at. Just lift them up and surrender. Use me, Jesus, yeah. Awaken us, Jesus, yes. Let's sit, begin to bless them. God, we thank you for your word. Take my hands and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, use me. Oh. Take my hands and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me.
this place take me back? praise to the Lord this night and evening. For, so you guys are aware of yourselves, right? You guys conquered your flesh today and you guys made it to access to him today in this place. And we thank God, amen, for, uh, for our president for such a timely word. Why don't we give a round of applause, amen, in honor to God, but for the man of God. Uh, and let's remember, right, we take this with us and let's conquer the flesh every day and every decision. And everything that we have to do, amen, God is, is with you guys. And let the Holy Spirit be with you guys. And as a praise report, um, we have received news that uh, one person or at least someone new received the Holy Spirit today, Samantha. Amen. Um, and we want to hear more of that each and every access service and at your local churches as well, amen. Um, without further ado, we're going to pray to be dismissed. Um, and I just wanted to add before we do that uh, they will be our... Our board will be accepting um, deposits and registrations as well for youth camp uh, in the back after this. Youth camp, amen. Woo! Hallelujah. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads as we say, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word that we have heard this day. Lord, allow us to cherish it. Lord God, allow us to take it home with us, God. Allow us to engrave it into our hearts and minds, Lord Jesus, so that we can be better sons and better daughters, God. Better servants, Lord. Better followers, Lord Jesus. Allow us, God, to be obedient to you in every way and aspect, God, when there are people around us, Lord, and when there are not people around us as well, Lord Jesus. Take us, God, back to our schools, back to our jobs, Lord Jesus, or wherever it is that you have placed us in life, God, so that we can be, Lord Jesus, examples to others, Lord God, of our faith, Lord, and of the wondrous things that you do, Lord, Heavenly Father. I pray that you take us back home, Lord, wherever it is that we may be going, Lord Jesus, and that may praises be always be on our lips, regardless of the circumstances, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Turn to your neighbor, tell them hello, tell them goodbye, tell them you look good.